Hi everyone, I am Edvaiwa and this is Faith for Thought, a podcast where I need to think of a new intro because the previous one was kind of long, but I was way too excited to start recording again and did not leave enough time for myself to think of a new intro. So anyway, I have been listening to some Lost Girl podcasts and watching Lost Girl again, so I have been reliving my very, very intense passion that I have for this show for like the end of time. I am very obsessed with it, so I started searching for new podcasts about it, because the last time I was listening to a podcast about Lost Girl. It was it was a while ago, maybe five years, if not even longer. I mean, the show has been over for longer than five years, so I was searching for podcasts. And the weird thing is, most of them are sadly inactive. I find a page on Google, I try to open the page, sometimes I can open the page, but when I try to play an episode of the podcast, it just does not work. So right now, there are two Most Girl podcasts that are not active, but you can still listen to the episodes. So we have Waystation, which is what I started listening to a couple of months ago, but sadly they stopped recording. They managed to make episodes about season one, and season two, but decided to invest more time in their other projects. And the other podcast that we have is Drinks at the Dow, which is the first podcast that I started listening to in general, not just about Lost Girl, just in general, which is what got me into podcasts as a listener and now as a podcast recorder as well. So Drinks at the Dow have so, so many episodes where they go into detail about the characters, they have interviews with some of the cast members, with Emily Andrews, I think, they have a lot and they are in general a pretty great podcast that I recommend to everyone. So they have episodes about season 4, season 5, some of season 1, season 2 and also about two episodes of season 3. So I was like, you know what? I can't find a podcast that talks in detail about season 3. Might as well make one myself. So the new topic that I am going to talk about on this podcast is going to be season 3 of Lost Girl. And by the way, I am pretty excited about this. I really am a big fan of the show, so it will be very nice revisiting it for this podcast. So let's start with episode 1 of season 3, Coat Caged Fae. By the way, Drinks at the Dow have an episode about it, but I was like, I'm not just going to make episodes specifically about what doesn't exist in the podcast universe already. I mean, might as well just do the whole season and not skip episode just because of that. So right now, let's talk about this episode. It begins with Bo being a beautiful badass escaping a crime scene, carrying a bag full of money, and the money just pours out of it. She is wearing this 
amazing jacket that is like short but has parts of it that are longer. We can't quite see it because the episode begins in a dark alley or something. But we can see that when Bo moves, the jacket moves as well. These parts that are hanging from it are just like a veil around her. It is it is beautiful and I like clothes like this very much. They are one of my favorite types of clothes that I enjoy wearing exactly for the same reason, because when you move it looks beautiful. So I also tried to screenshot it, but there were no good shots at this time of the episode. I feel like the show should have used this jacket more than it did. It is an amazing jacket. We should have seen more of it. Also, both his bangs. By the way, she looks so great in bangs and they look kind of natural. If you remember, in season 2, there was an episode when Bo was trying to dress up as another person, so to speak, as a way to get out of the funk that she was feeling because of Tyson. And she had bangs, like clip-on bangs, that looked kind of good, but not quite natural. And these bangs, they are different. They're like, I don't know. I don't know how people should describe bangs. They just looked good, like kind of side-swept and natural. And I really wish we got more of this hairstyle as well. So by the way, in this episode, as it begins, Bo is apparently on a crime spree. The previous season ended with Bo kind of like supposedly embracing like her dark side or something. Now season 3 begins with it seems like Bo has gone dark. But the thing is, even when she is doing something that is supposedly bad, she is still being a good guy as she is giving the money that she stole from a bank to just people outside on the street. She acts more chaotic than evil. I would say. So some guys start chasing her. She goes into the Dow, where she is confronted by Dyson, who acts like he is very annoyed at her. He is like so over her bullshit. He tries to capture her and she playfully responds to him, Oh, Wolf, you leave me breathless. Which, by the way, is the same thing that she said to Warren in the previous season. I'm not sure which episode exactly. Maybe the last one. Maybe the pre-last one. I'm not sure, but she said that to Warren. And now she says it to Dyson. And that is kind of interesting. So whatever is going on, it seems like Vex is also in on it. Because as Kenzie is trying to approach Bo, she, uh, Kenzie seems kind of concerned about her. She is worried about what Bo might have done. And she tries to approach her, but Vex does like his mesmer thing to stop her. To not get involved in the fight or whatever it was between Tyson and Bo. Seems like Vex is going to be a bigger part of the season of the gang. We will see. Then Bo is transported to some sort of prison. She is handcuffed while she is standing still, waiting to be processed into the prison, which is also a chance for us to learn what her supposed crimes are. Apparently, she stole a pair of earrings, of Cartier earrings, also a gold woman watch. This is what they find 
on her as they are processing her. And the last thing that they get out of her pockets or bag is a bullet vibrator. And by the way, I have the exact same vibrator. And I do not have it any complaints about it. So now Bo is guided in their prison and this is where we meet the warden for the first time, who is a lady dressed in a very dominatrixy kind of way. She also behaves like it. By the way, I gotta say the dress that the warden has on is pretty hot. So I approve. And the hair, the hair is like very 80s looks kind of weird but uh, okay i guess it works what follows is a very cringy scene by the way it's the decontamination scene where bo is showered with like i guess some disinfectant or something and everybody from the staff there which includes the warden and the guards is like watching her and they it, it is a very male gaze scene but instead of males doing that we have females which makes it even more cringy and this is where i guess the problematic part of the episode begins what follows when bo is already decontaminated or whatever she walks by the different cells everybody from the cells is catcalling her, which is, again, even more cringy than the previous scenes. This is, I guess, what the hosts at um, Drinks of the Down meant when they were talking about this episode being pretty problematic. I gotta say, at first, I, I wouldn't say I quite got it, but after listening to the episode, I was like, damn, they have that right. It still has its funny moments, so let's continue. Bo's prison cellmate is called Sylvie, whose family was starving and she stole some bread. And I'm like, what kind of prison is that? Why do they put people in there who steal bread? Like, how is that some serious crime that needs to be punished like this? And when uh, Sylvie tells her story, Bo is like, so you're Jean Valjean. And she's like, I'm Sylvie. We just met. <laughs> oh, poor Bo. Apparently one of the tortures in this prison is that nobody gets her jokes. And that is kind of a torture. I get it. So Sylvie's mom is a bitch. She hasn't responded to any of the letters Sylvie sent to her. Sucks to be Sylvie, I guess. At some point, Bo calls the guards feminazis. That is again ugh, problematic. I did not enjoy that, Bo. Come on, you're like a feminist icon. Don't call people feminazis. Anyway, uh, from Sylvie, we learn that the guards are Amazons, who apparently do not respect male authority. For example, the current Ash. So this is, I guess, light thing prison which i cannot imagine this being a light thing prison but apparently it is the so-called amazons use males only for mating and then dispose of any male babies that come out of them so what a great portrayal of the amazons out at some point we see that warren is also there undercover using the smell of skunk ape to cover the fact that she is a human. We also learn that Warren is there and has also involved Bo 
because of a Dr. Everett, who is currently missing but is very important to Warren. Apparently, everything that Warren learned at first about Faye, she learned from this Dr. Everett, who was the doctor at his prison, disappeared at some point, and now the gang is there to investigate. Bo and Lauren are very flirty, like in a relationshipy kind of way, which is like apparently some time has passed since the end of season two, and now Bo and Lauren are in some kind of relationship, or maybe not, we don't know, but the way that they behave towards each other is quite different, I gotta say, from the way they were in the end of season two. So while Bo and Lauren are working, the warden arrives, acting all creepy, like very familiar towards Bo and also Warren. They means that Bo works in her office, which I guess kind of sucks for Bo and Warren's plan, but I'm sure they are going to make it work. In the next scene, we see Kenzie at a doubt acting very worried about Bo, which is understandable. She crashes Kale's office, which for some reason is at the Dow, and this is how we learn that Kale is actually the new Ash. Kenzie is talking to Dyson, Kale, and Trick. In this conversation, we learn that all of that has happened so far in the episode was a plan developed by Olden. And the whole reason Hale is the Ash but hasn't done anything about this situation is because technically he is the acting Ash, which means he is not officially Ash, he is just substituting in a way the authority at the prison is not interested in listening to him. So if he and Bo and Lauren manage to discover what happened to Dr. Everett, discover in general what is happening at this prison, it would be a huge win for him. That's a horrible way to throw Bo under the bus, but I guess she also agreed to this herself, so she knew what she could expect. But Kenzie, Kenzie is not having it. She is terrified about Bo. She also knows that Bo doesn't have any powers in this prison. Nobody has powers there. So she is kind of defenseless and has to rely on Lauren. And as we know, Kenzie is not the biggest fan of Lauren. Now, the reason nobody in the prison has powers is because of this so-called or as Kenzie called them, get lay lines, or more specifically, lay lines, that strip Faye of their powers. But Bo has a sarsen stone, something like this, which allows her to have powers in the event of emergency. The episode continues to escalate with the problematic stuff. Poor Bo dressed in some very, I don't know, heavy type of costume of a French maid or something is on her knees, which makes it even worse, scrubbing the floor with a true brush, while the warden is enjoying herself very much. The creepiness is interrupted by a guard carrying a briefcase with something 
probably even creepier. The guard and the warden go into a secret room where they talk about subjects and injecting them and stuff like this. From the conversation we discover the guard is not very happy about whatever the warden is doing, even questions her, but the warden slaps her across the face and is like, shut up, I know what I'm doing. In like the place where all the prisoners hang out and they have their free time. We see Bo and Sylvie talking to each other about leaving Hecuba, how it is very difficult to leave Hecuba and not come back. They are interrupted by the guard previously talking to the warden and the guard probably because she is frustrated from the conversation decides to take it out on Sylvie, starts beating her. Bo, of course, can't help herself. She provokes the guard, decides to use the stars and stone, gets herself in a lot of trouble. After, again, a very creepy search by the warden, but I gotta say, I, I actually thought it was kind of hot, the perfect part of me, at least. So the warden discovers the stars and stone and leaves Bo to the guards, basically to beat the shit out of her. Bo can't even walk after that. It seems like she crawled to Warren's office, that's brutal, where Warren finds her and she is very concerned about Bo, but Bo is concerned about Lauren. She crawled to her office just to tell her that she is going to get hell to pull Warren out of this prison. I mean, even beaten like this, Bo doesn't care about herself. She, she's not like Okay, let's just leave, let's, let's involve Hale or I don't know. She is still willing to stay there, but insists that Warren gets out of there to remain safe. We get a confirmation that flirting between Warren and Bo is in fact just flirting. They are not, as of this point in the episode, in a relationship. How do we get that? When Bo mentions her feelings are not black and white, aka she loves both Lauren and Dyson or is not sure if she loves one of them more. Anyway, the point is, when Bo mentions it, Lauren throws some shade at her and is like, well, I wish you would for once, bitch, without the bitch part. And then she's like, oh, oh, oh my god, I'm so sorry. It is because of the skunk ape extracts that are all over my body. They are messing up my hormones and stuff like this. Warren decides to, in a way, follow Bo's example and stay at the prison. She insists on being there to help find out what happened to Dr. Everett. Boy decides not to push her anymore and just focus on the task at hand. She hopes everything happens faster so that both of them can get out of there as soon as possible. Warren mentions something about a request for medical supplies sent to Tyson or something like this. I'm not sure what that means, to be honest. And I've watched the episode a couple of times. Quite a few times, I mean. Quite a few times. And I was like, what? I guess I will see what that means. So, because they mentioned Dyson, the scenery changes. We are now at Dyson's cop shop, where Vex just walks right in, talking very loudly about eating humans, especially that fat one. 
And Aslan is like, shut up, bitch. And Vex is like, hey, I just wanted to take you to lunch. Apparently, Vex is now or is trying to be part of the group. It seems like Vex is getting pretty bored, stuck at the clubhouse, and is not very excited about Kenzie's cooking. He is so bored that he suggests to Tyson to be his new partner. It's all like, I've got my own uniform. We all know what a uniform like that look like. Not very professional. He also manages to slip some rather important information to Dyson about Hikipu prison, about how the prisoners supposedly being released are not in fact released at all. There is no record of them re-entering society. They just disappear, it would seem. Bo gets back in the prison cell just in time to say goodbye to Sylvie, who looks so thankful. She has tears in her eyes. You can really see how much she appreciates Bo defending her. They spent so little time together, but that was enough to develop a bond between them. It is very sweet. Bo has this look on her face. She seems very happy for Sylvie at this point. She is glad that she is getting out and will hopefully be safe. Or at least that's what we think at this point. Back at the Dow, Kenzie is waiting for something from Dyson. It seems like this is the so-called medical supplies mentioned earlier in the episode. The next scene, I remember that part very clearly when Kenzie <laughs> gets to the visitation room dressed in this ridiculously tight dress that is both pink and in an Animal print, I think zebra or something like this. She has this very big 80s hair. Actually, it's not even 80s, it's like the, the 60s, like this big poofy. I don't know. But do people ever wore hair like this? It's confusing. It's way too big. It's ridiculous. And she is chewing gum very loudly with her mouth open. She has these ridiculous giant feather earrings that also have animal print on them or something. They are so big that they like the length of these earrings is to her boobs. She has this ridiculous southern accent. Her name is Kenzie Van Clare. I cannot do a southern accent. I'm not going to try. After all, I'm not even American. I'm not even British. So do not expect that from me. Okay, Kenzie misses Paul very much and expresses that to her. It seems like this is the first time Paul has even thought about Kenzie. I mean, she is busy in prison, she got beaten up, a lot of things happened, like I get it, but it seems like Kenzie depends on Paul quite a lot and Bo does not depend on Kenzie in the same way. That is a dynamic that will play a bigger part in the series in general. Kenzie goes, as she calls it, full method. Covers Bo in saliva. She is supposedly making out with her, but that is a cover, a way to slip something inside Bo's mouth that will be rather useful during the end of the episode. The thing that Kenzie slipped Bo is apparently a contact for her eye, a contact that resembles the eye of the warden, so that Bo can sneak up 
in this secret room we saw the guard and the warden get in earlier in the episode. She is snooping around, looking for anything suspicious, discovers another door and another room. She goes down a staircase, finds a room that looks like a, like a home, like somebody lives there. There is a table, like a kitchen corner, uh, chairs everywhere, and also Sylvie is there. She seems to just sit there, and when she turns around, she is full-on pregnant. So we have this rather typical trope for fantasy TV shows, the mystical pregnancy. Pregnancies that happen unexplicably, that happen very fast, just not typical pregnancies that you would see on a regular TV show, and it is kind of an overdone trope that is, I would say, kind of annoying. <laughs> Uh, here I wouldn't say it bothered me that much, because it, it is not one of the main characters. It is a character literally there for one episode, so that's like, okay, fine. Sylvie seems very confused. She's like, well, I just woke up and I was here, and I was pregnant. Aha! Uh -huh. Bo tries to get Sylvie out of there rather quickly, but as that happens, of course, her waters broke. She is ready to give birth. So Bo takes Sylvie to Warren's medical office. Warren is ready for action. She does not waste any time. She asks for Sylvie's medical file, discovers she is a Wombly, a very rare kind of fae. It will seem Wombly's and skunk apes do not mix well, so to speak. Warren now has to take her clothes off in order to wash off the skunk ape's scent out of her and expose herself as a human. But it is the only way to deliver Sylvie's baby. So off with her clothes and off with her scent. Meanwhile, Kenzie and Vex arrive at the cop shop to visit Dyson and for Vex to show off his police, <laughs> his policeman in quotes outfit, which is, by the way, ridiculous. Can I just say, I'm pretty sure Vex was waiting for an opportunity to show this outfit off and he was like, maybe I will fit better there. And he does not. <laughs> he stands out a lot. But I am so here for Vex and his ridiculous outfits. Just give me more of those, please. And here is where we learn what actually happened to Dr. Everett. She was brutally killed in a way that um, she has to be buried in multiple boxes, as Vex says. Kenzie is understandably freaking out again. She was freaking out at the beginning, and now she has even more reason to freak out. Poor Kenzie. Back at the prison, Sylvie is delivering her baby. Bo seems terrified of it, which same. And as I was saying about this trope of mystical babies, part of that trope sometimes is that out of human-looking women, babies come out not looking very human. This baby is like covered in feathers and stuff. I gotta say, I am kind of disappointed we didn't get to see it. I am very curious about how it is supposed to look, because as the baby was crowning, like as the head was 
getting out of there, Bo was like, oh god, oh god, no. But when the whole baby was out of the vagina, Bo was like, oh my god, he's perfect, he's so cute, and we have this scene with Lauren and Bo looking over the baby, it was like a gift to all the docubus shippers, look at Bo and Lauren, possibly being a nice family. The moment was rather quickly interrupted by the warden, who has again an amazing outfit, another dress this time, pants and a jacket. She looks great. I am very much enjoying her style. I know it is rather stereotypical, like for the evil woman to look kind of dominatrixy, but I like it. What can I say? I can't help myself. So the warden takes the baby and kind of spills all the tea about her evil plans, which is impregnate women of rare face pieces with some sort of magical sperm and then sell the babies to the black fay market. And can I just say, you? I mean, we know the fay, either light or dark, can be pretty horrible, but buying and selling babies? Ah, that is, that is just nasty. Yeah. We also learn where that so-called magical sperm can come from. It is from a lidark, a type of trickster fae that can impregnate women without them knowing. And everything happens very quickly. They get impregnated, they give birth in a week, and done. I decided to do a little bit of research into phase of the week that we have in this episode. So Lidark is found in Hungarian folklore. There are different interpretations. The first one I read about is a miracle chicken, so to speak, that hatches from the first egg of a black hen kept warm under the arm of a human. There are versions that it can be any egg at all, like any egg has the potential to carry a lidark, but the point is the egg must be hatched by placing it in a heap of manure, and then the creature that comes out of it, it attaches itself to people to become their lover. It looks like whatever that person desires, but it sucks their blood, it like sits on them, it is, it, it is very nasty. The second interpretation is of a tiny being, a devil. It is basically the same thing as the chicken, just a different form. The third variety is kind of similar to a succubus, actually. And I tried to also find something about the Wombly, but the only thing I found is a place called Wombly in South Dakota. It is a census-designated place on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation located in Jackson County, South Dakota, United States. That is all I know, like how they decide to choose the name, Wombly, writers, I have no idea what's going on inside your head, wish I did. The warden is excited about the opportunity of breeding a succubus. As we have seen from the show, apparently in the Lost Curve universe, succubi are not that easy to find, so it would be rather lucrative for the warden to have baby succubus to sell. As all that is happening, Kenzie, Dyson and Vex go to the Dow to talk to Hale about all that. Kenzie is like, we need to abort Operation Chain to Coot. 
because she has discovered what happened to Dr. Everett and is realizing it is risky for Bo and Lauren to stay at the prison. At which point, Hale mentions a phone call from the prison he thought was a misdial, and the reason that he thought it was a misdial was because he only heard screaming, and it's like, Hale, you are... Who the hell decided to have Hale act like this? Because he is not a stupid person. He knows that there are some seriously shady stuff going on there. So why would he think it was just a simple misdial? Why wouldn't he be freaking out? It just... It, that part didn't make any sense to me. Also, as I was watching this, we saw Lauren uh, making that phone call and then being like shocked with a stick by the warden. This is what has happened apparently while he was answering the phone. Now, Bo and Lauren are being dragged by the warden and the guards to their deaths, so to speak, but Jupiter, the prisoner at Sylvie's birth, she was assisting Lauren, grabs one of the guards as a distraction for Bo and Lauren to start fighting and escape. Bo punches a couple of guards, then proceeds to kiss the warden, but then we learn Bo did that as a way to get close to her face and feel her stubble, so to speak. Then she's like, dun 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 dun, that is a man, that is the Lidark. Your leader is a man. All of the guards are just like, hmm. <laughs> and one of the guards proceeds to grab the warden by her crotch. Ew, that is a very, that did not age well, did it? We all remember a certain president talking about grabbing women by their crotch. So, ugh, what follows is, uh, it, it was horrible. The guards drag the warden somewhere where we can see what is happening, but apparently they devour him, like probably do the same thing that happened to Dr. Everett, like that results in your body being like in various parts, just so... I guess we are not supposed to care about anything that happens after that. The portrayal of the Amazons is very confusing. Were we supposed to believe they were just following the warden's commands and that's why they were evil because the way that they acted at the end it didn't seem like the warden has all the responsibility for all the bad things that happened it, it just didn't seem right the way that whole thing played out but the characters didn't seem to care like Bo and Warren just got all romantic and decided to date each other as the warden was being torn to pieces by the Amazons. What a romantic scenery. So this is the moment Bo asks Warren to try things out officially. Sadly, at the same time, Dyson and Kenzie arrive at the prison. Dyson has missed the window to tell Bo about his love, about his feelings. After that romantic scene at the prison, we find Paul and Kenzie at the down together with Trip talking about everything that has happened. Paul's bangs are gone and I am going to miss them. Apparently it was part of her disguise for some reason. Like, why didn't the bangs stay longer? It was a very nice haircut. 
I liked it. I mean, I like both hair without the wings as well, but like that was different. It could have stayed longer, but maybe it was too much bangs because Kenzie also has bangs and it would be too much for both of his bangs. I don't know. I don't know what was the reasoning behind that. We have Bo telling everyone Dilby is safe at home with her mother. She sent a picture of the baby and they named him Bo. Hale also shows up for a couple of lines. He has dismissed all but the most violent prisoners and has shut Hecuba down. But I'm wondering what happened to the Amazons and to the Lidark. I mean, we can assume the Lidark is dead, I guess, but what happened with the Amazons? Why don't we know anything about that? That was like a significant part of everything. When Bo is left alone with Trick, she kind of shares some disturbing thoughts she has on her mind. The whole thing with the prison reminded her of her mother and what she learned happened. The fact that she was a prisoner of the dark for hundreds and hundreds of years. She is worried her father is a monster. This is something that has been brewing on the show for quite a while. The end of the previous season, of season 2, we had the scene of Bo looking with her eyes glowing blue, like a different shade of blue. She was looking in the mirror, she was kind of smiling in a diabolical way. Then we have this episode beginning with us thinking Bo has gone bad and or mad. Now the episode kind of brings that again. They dismissed our concerns with showing that everything Bo is doing is a part of the plan. She is good, she is okay, but now at the end of the episode we again get this feeling and that feeling is intensified by Bo leaving the town, her eyes turning the same kind of bright glowing shade of blue and she basically sucks a random guy almost to death. We don't know, he collapses, we don't know what is happening. So I gotta say, this episode did a lot of things as a first episode of the season. We have Lauren and Bo now established as girlfriends. We also have this continuation of the season 2 final episode with Bo's dark side potentially developing. We had some great lines and uh, comedy from Kenzie. Also, we have now more Vex. Hale is now the acting Ash, putting him in a position of a lot of power, which can help everyone involved a lot. We also get the tiniest bit of mention about what happened to Kenzie and her hand at the Norn. Bo quickly asks her, hey, how is your hand? Because it's like, nah, 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 it's fine. But is it? Is it? I don't think so. If you want to listen to that episode of Drinks at the Dow about this very same episode of Lost Girl, I recommend that to you. Take a listen. I will share both of the podcasts I talk about in the description of this episode. So, we have a little bit of secrecy going on in this episode. Kenzie doesn't talk about what is going on with her. Also, Dyson doesn't talk about what is going on with him. This is something we are going to see in the coming episodes as well. People not being completely honest with those close to them 
and that being a rather huge problem. I'm very excited about these new episodes talking about Lost Girl. Like I've said already, I enjoy the show very much and I am happy to provide something that is currently missing in the podcast world. Discussion about season 3 of Lost Girl. I am probably going to talk about other things than just this season, but for right now that is the plan. I will go episode per episode through the season till the end of it. It's not going to be spoiler free, I gotta be honest. I just, I want to speak my mind about whatever is going on inside my head as I watch the show. So there could be some spoilers. And by the way, if anyone listening to this has an interest in being a guest on this podcast, if you have any opinions to share with me, you can do that by being a guest on the show or just write a comment, share your opinion with me. I am excited to listen to anyone who is a fan of the show. If you are listening to this, you probably know where you can find this podcast, but let me tell you just in case. You can find it on its anchor page, that is anchor.fm slash fae-4-pod. Fae is spelled F-A-E. On Twitter, you can find the podcast under the username at faithfulfot underscore. There is also a Facebook page where I post regular updates. For comments, questions and suggestions, feel free to use the email address faithfulfot at gmail.com or you can send me a voice message on the Anchor profile page where you can also find all the social media info and all of the platforms the podcast is connected to, like Spotify, Stitcher and so on. My personal Twitter is at evival underscore and my personal Instagram is at evival underscore g. That is for today, guys. Till next time. Bye-bye.